Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am very pleased to have with me Katrina Purcell as my guest. And let me tell you a little bit about Katrina. Katrina runs her own consulting firm working from with early to mid-stage tech companies on efficient growth metrics. She has extreme passion for using the rising tide to lift all boats, creating mechanisms for support and mentorship at all career stages. She lives in Brooklyn, New York with her supportive partner and two very spoiled cats. In their free time, you'll find them doing many woodworking renovation or creative pursuits. I thought today we would talk about empowering women in tech, lessons from a corporate escapee from one to another. <laughs> Katrina Purcell, please join me and welcome me, uh, Katrina, to my podcast. So yes, I am a tech corporate escapee as well. I retired, so I thought it would be great to have a fellow techie on. Yeah, so, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. We always start with an easy question, but I gave that answer away. Uh, you live in Brooklyn. Have you always lived in Brooklyn? I have not. We we moved to Brooklyn in 2018. Um, I've lived in New York since 2007, but I was born and raised in Virginia. Oh, okay. Well, I'm from Pittsburgh originally, so not too nice. far. All right. So let us just get into empowering women in tech. Um, what is your Tell us a little bit about what got you to where you are today. I always find it interesting to hear about the journey that you take to become the entrepreneur you are. Yes. So I have kind of a, what I like to call a jungle gym career. Uh, so I started my career actually in media. Um, my dad really wanted me to be an engineer and I thought that sounded boring. And so I decided to get a degree in digital media <laughs> and started my career at the Discovery Channel. Um, where I was a quality control technician, which meant that for eight hours a day, I sat in a room and watched TV. Uh, when my mom would tell people what I did for a living, people didn't believe it was a real job, but uh, it did used to be a real job to make sure that everything was up to snuff to air on, on their channels. I got bit though by the live bug uh, and really wanted to work in live, live news. So moved to New York to work for Bloomberg. Um, and in 2012, started to transition more into project management. And I think it's kind of funny that we, my husband will say we revert to the mean, um, but I say, you know, we go to where our skills are, are really, you know, the most um, 
useful. Um, and so I started doing project and program management, but on the media technology side, because I still love the media aspect of it. I love the technology aspect of it. And so we were implementing new technologies. We started to change people's jobs, right? So, you know, media mm -hmm. was going through such a transformation at the time. Linear television was really trying to figure out how to become also digital. Mm -hmm. How could we, you know, integrate those things? Um, and so that's when I actually started thinking, wait, maybe I need a business degree. <laughs> and so then wound up getting an MBA, which is probably so far from where my dad thought I was going to be when I said, no, I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. Um, and so, you know, then moved more into what I would call pure play technology companies um, after that. Oh, so cool. Yeah. So I um, thought I was going to be a teacher ended up in an accounting firm, went to a wine and spirits brokerage. From there, I went to a fast food company. And finally, I ended up at a transportation company as a project manager. <laughs> it's so funny how it how it works out. I think if you asked my mom, she would have told you I was going to be a project manager from the early days because I'm the oldest child um, next, and was always super oldest. organized. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, seven kids in our family and second oldest, you know, you had to be organized. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. So what happens um, or what inspired you, I guess, to um, to be able to, you swam the Ironman? Did you swim yeah. the Ironman? This little so thing that's in front of us? Swimming <laughs> the Ironman? So, um. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the Ironman is, uh, it's a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike ride, um, ride followed by a marathon. Um, I actually, so it, it's kind of a funny story. I was going through a very transitional point in my life and I have a mentor who's actually one of my very good friends. She, she was my first real boss, um, when I worked at discovery channel and, um, she said, you know what, I'm going to do this race. And I said, well, I never, I learned how to ride a bike, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> and I never really learned how to swim. I knew how no, to knock drown, no. but I didn't really know how to swim a distance. And she said, well, but it'll be a good challenge for us to do together. Um, and because I always love a good challenge, I said, sure. And so I had to <laughs> sign up. There's, there's a place in Manhattan called Asphalt Green uh, and it's on the Upper East Side. And I had to sign up for adult swim lessons. <laughs> If you want a truly humbling experience, sign up for adult swim lessons if you don't know how to swim. And it was truly every Monday I would go there and I would leave thinking I am terrible. And there are kids swimming on the other side, just, you know, oh, like yeah, little fish. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're there and they're like, okay, put this buoy between your legs and that will keep you straight. And the buoy keeps flying out and you keep trying to get to the other end sputtering. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in the end you go and you swim 2.4 miles in a, in a river in my case. So I did, my race was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, thanks to going through North Georgia, our bike course was actually 116 miles because there was a church who wouldn't let them close the road. There you go. Um, so we had an additional four miles. Um, but let me tell you the end of that race, um, is the most exhilarating feeling I think I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, the, the training to get there, you know, is it takes over, you know, for me, it took a little bit over a year. I did a half Ironman and then I, I did the full, um, and it was definitely a transformational experience because it's really your mind over your body. I mean, your legs at some point are like, why are we still doing this? And your brain is like, because we said we're going to, mm -hmm. um, and my parents came to, 
you know, to watch the race. My dad got a cowbell blister. So it was, it was a family affair. <laughs> um, but I think that's really the perspective I take with a lot of things that I do in life. It's sort of your, you know, your body or, or other people are like, why are you doing this? And you say, well, just because I can, because I want mm. to, because I decided mm. I was going to. Yeah, my, um, I don't I can't, I can't even say he's a middle brother, but my brother that came third in line, he, <laughs> he did the Ironman in Buford. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Georgia and uh, near Savannah. And mm-hmm. uh, the the bike ride wasn't a problem, but then when he went into the water, no, the water was before. But anyway, when he went into the water, you had to swim through like reeds until you got to actually open water. And- I picked my race very explicitly because <laughs> the Tennessee River was nice and clean, yeah. <laughs> especially compared to where I trained in New York, where you can't even see the bottom of the water. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't when it, don't know what you're drinking as you <laughs> exactly <laughs> awesome. So, how did you tackle the demands of full time school and full time uh, work? I mean, I, I've been there. Yeah, too. we're like twins. <laughs> tell tell the audience how you did it. So I think the good part is I was coming off the Ironman. So you know when oh. you're training for that, you have about twenty to 25 hours of training a week. It's essentially a a part-time job, especially Mm. if you're very slow like me. Um, (laughs) And so don't let that be a hindrance to trying trying to do it. You don't have to be fast. Um, And so I think I had that extra time that I had been using for my physical pursuits. And so I just sort of shifted that. Mm. I think having my my partner is extremely supportive. And so he picked up a lot of things around the house. Um, Mm. And I think it's also sort of this, this thought that I think a lot of women are sort of embracing now where it's not as much about balance as about integration. And that was just a time of life where I had less to give others. And so everything was very structured. Um, My friends would make fun of me. I would have on my calendar, if I was going to meet a friend for lunch at two, then I would meet someone else at four in a very similar location so that I had time to see everyone I needed to see. Um, And you just have to be very intentional and very driven in the choices that you're making. The program that I did, you went to school on Saturdays. Um, so it was, you worked all week and then you went to school every Saturday for 24 months. Mm. Um, you get really close to your classmates. You you really have to pull each other through. And I think a lot yeah. of those project management skills are really life management skills. Yeah, um, and so, you know, I would schedule study sessions for groups um, where we would come to the Bloomberg office and we would, um, you know, go through and, and kind of pull each other along because a lot of us didn't have finance backgrounds, um, you know, and we were trying to learn these tough topics. And it's so much easier to do that when you have a supportive group of people who are all coming at things from different perspectives, which is why I also love the executive program mm-hmm. um, because you're not competing with each other. You already have jobs. You're mm-hmm. you're really just trying to complete this program and you're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to know that something will suffer um, and you just have to figure out and make sure that the thing that suffers is the thing you've decided is okay to suffer. And mm-hmm. so um, was our house the cleanest? No, definitely not. Um, we got pre-made meals. I didn't do as much cooking. I did some meal prepping. You know, did I work out as much? No, but I had just spent two years, you know, working out consistently. So you just make choices. 
Um, and then I think you look back on it and, and you can kind of evaluate. And then as you go into your next pursuit, you say, did I make the right choices? Did the right thing fall? Now, should I spend more time on, on, you know, my family or, or, you know, cleaning my house? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Luckily we live in a small apartment, so it's not as much space. <laughs> it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. When I, I did, I did all of it online while I was traveling four days okay. a week. <laughs> I don't know how you do the online. We, I was very lucky because I graduated in 2019, mm -hmm. right before the pandemic. So I, we, we were in person, mm -hmm. um, sitting in class in person for that long is hard enough. I can't imagine having to do it online. Um, well, I, I give kudos to Un University of Phoenix because um, they had really, I think, perfected how to do it. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it really was great, um, a great experience. The, one of the things we're, you know, we're talking about women in tech and, mm -hmm. and I know uh, in one of my uh, jobs, in addition to the project management, um, I did mentoring of students and I still today, I work with students and the Georgia Tech is near here. And mm -hmm. so it's a technology school. And one of the things, as I was talking to some of the counselors that they do, they blend marketing with technology and different mm -hmm. aspects so that you understand the different components. And as a project manager, I think one of the strengths that I had was that I worked all those different things before I got to project management. And so it was uh, easier for me to, to be able to lead people. So talk mm -hmm. about the changes that technology um, presents constantly and how women have because of our intuitive aspect have really a better I think grasp to handle those kind of situations than perhaps our male counterparts who used to always be the ones that took those jobs right I think it's so I used to always say that it was my job to be the translator between the engineers and the business. <laughs> um, and I think that's a little bit because as women we're just inherently very empathetic and mm -hmm. so we like to see things from other people's perspectives and we like to understand what frustrates people and we can pick up on that. I can, yeah. I can see when someone is getting frustrated and I can sort of start to say, okay, let's reframe how we're looking at this or let's approach it from a different perspective. And I think that a lot of women, when they hear women in tech, immediately assume you have to be an engineer to be a woman yeah. in tech. And I think that that couldn't be farther from the truth yeah. because there are so many other jobs that are not hands-on keyboard coding that are in technology. Um, and so I think it's really about channeling your inner strengths. And so for me, mm -hmm. that's organization. It's wanting people to feel heard, wanting people to feel understood and being able to use that to say the business, actually what they're asking for is, is a software that will do this. They've told you they want something completely different, but that's not really what they want. If you get down to the nitty gritty yeah. of what they're asking for, this is what they want. And the engineer is telling you you're crazy and your timeline is too aggressive. They'll give you what you really want, but it will take this long. And being mm -hmm. able to be that person to kind of do that in almost like a negotiation between mm -hmm. both sides. And I think those types of roles are so needed. And mm -hmm. especially, you, know, you mentioned marketing, being able to have a, a customer understand what the yeah. product is. How does the product give them value? Um, if you ask an engineer, they might not be able to tell you that. And I can, I can say that because my husband is an engineer 
Um, and so, you know, they need that person to translate yeah. for them to the, to the end consumer and say, this is why this product is valuable to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to do that, you have to understand the product. You have to yeah. know what it does. You have to understand the feature functionality. You have to understand why it does the things it does in the order it does them. And so I think being able to be comfortable with the terminology, being able to be comfortable uh, talking the lingo and and being that conduit between the people who understand the technology and the people who are utilizing the technology is so important. Yeah. And, and you have so many diverse personalities that make mm-hmm. up a team. And, uh, you know, I think it's also important that we tend to just go, go, go. I was always on multi-year projects, which I mm-hmm. prefer to short term because especially with technology, there were things that we want to do, but we didn't need to do right then eventually. Right. So how you had that ev- evolution of an idea was always very exciting. And it also kind of helped the tech, the, the IT people a little bit embrace it a little bit more the engineers embrace a little bit more knowing that okay we're not asking for this right now but when you build it build it with that in mind Mm -hmm. and again I think that's where our negotiation skills come so much in hand so much handy um so what is the one thing that you wish you could have known as you started this journey years ago you know you know it's so funny I spent a lot of time reflecting on that um I think that I wish that I had realized and I I this is going to be so millennial of me but I saw a meme that kind of really summed it up for me was you're copying off someone else's test not realizing that everyone has a completely different test and what I mean to say there is you're looking at other people's lives and you're thinking, well, this person did this way and this is how I should do it. And then I'll be happy. Mm. Um, instead of thinking and looking inward and saying, what will truly make me happy? What do I want to be when I grow up? What do I, you know, and especially I think for me, having somewhat of an unconventional career path, you know, I, I wasn't a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, something where you could easily describe it. In fact, my mother has said the more podcasts I'm on, the more she actually understands what I do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. So I think being comfortable in setting your own path and really being able to kind of break out and do your own thing is definitely the advice that I wish I had at 25. Although someone probably gave it to me and I didn't listen to it because I thought, well, I'm going to have a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and a dog. Um, and I think the more I mentor and the more I talk to to women who are are in school or or have just graduated, that you know that's the advice I'm constantly telling them is sort yeah, of decide yeah. what you want, what is, what makes you happy, what makes your heart sing, what what do you want to get out of bed every day and do, uh, and then do that. Yeah, I had in my um, first career in the accounting firm, I had a best friend, still a very good friend, who worked for PPG and PPG they hired you and they didn't really care what degree you had. And, and I think that's an important thing for people to remember that it is not earth shattering. Just get a dang degree just (laughs) to understand and and to be able to experience all that knowledge dump, if you will, at a mature age. Yeah. But, But when they got you there, then they put you in like a two week or two month or three month assignment 
to see how you liked it. And then they'd move you somewhere else until you got to the point. It's like, this is what I want to do. And I thought that was so brilliant. And as we do our careers, yeah, I'm 66 in a week. Uh, you know, it was like, you got a job and that's what you had for the rest of your yes. life till you retired. And that brother that I told you that did the Ironman, he did like four jobs in seven years <laughs> before he found that job. And I always thought, oh, that's so bad. That's so wrong. But it really, he, he, he landed on the job that he loved. And so for me, you know, project management was that kind of thing. So I think that's the women out there that are thinking, well, I don't know what I want to be, you know, in tech. I don't want to be crawling under computers and things, because I think that's a lot of times what we think about tech. Mm -hmm. um, but there are so many great things out there. What advice would you give to a person that's feeling maybe a little stuck in the job that they're in, but afraid to change. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a great one. Um, so I think that we tend to get comfortable. Um, and when we're comfortable is when things, in my opinion, get kind of boring, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, you can see that along my journey, right? Let's go do an Ironman. Let's go get our MBA. Let's quit and start our own company. But I think that it's okay to be comfortable. I think when you're in a job where you feel sort of that there's something bigger out there, I think volunteering, mm -hmm. um, putting Absolutely. your skills, putting your skills out into the universe for nonprofits, putting your skills out into the universe for mentoring, you know, so much of what I, of good ideas I come up with or good things that I think about are because I mentor mm -hmm. you know, other generations who are saying things to me like, Hey, this is something new. And I'm like, what? Okay, let's look at that. And so I think by putting yourself out there and just getting a little bit out of your comfort zone, you know, taking on a new project at work, maybe there's mm -hmm. another department. If you're, if you're within a large company, mm -hmm. there's so many different opportunities to go work with other groups and departments or to go to volunteer events. You know, Bloomberg is very big on volunteering and you get to meet people in cross-functional teams that way and yeah. find out what does your group actually do? Mm -hmm. What, do, you know, what do you need to be to get into your department? Um, and just don't feel like because you made a choice five years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago, that that's the only choice you can make mm -hmm. um, because you're constantly reinventing yourself. And I think that the important thing in life is to enjoy the journey because mm -hmm. there really isn't a set destination. I think when I was 25, I thought there was, there was this destination you were going to get to, you're going to know everything and everything was just going to make sense. And I think that's not at all how it works and you know as we get older we all understand that but mm -hmm. you know I think at 25 you're like oh, I'm gonna hit this number and then when I'm that age everything will just make sense and that's not true right so you should be constantly reinventing yourself constantly going mm -hmm. after things that make you happy um it, it's not bad to change careers in your 30s it's not bad to change careers in your 40s it's not bad to completely reinvent yourself in your 50s right there's there's all of this stuff out there that you might want to try and I think that's mm -hmm. becoming uh, much more acceptable. Your brother was ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, at 60, retired, spent two years having fun. And then I thought, you know, there's more for me to give. And I think that's where, you know, this stage of my life and my journey is the best because I'm doing what I love to do. I never, ever thought I would be doing. Never. Mm -hmm. That was never, this was never in any plan that I did. And I'm from that age where we did a five-year plan. You know? yeah. And of course that five-year plan went out the window, uh, you know, after a couple of years. 
but I think it's to have the courage. You know, I, I talk about confidence all the time, but to me, confidence confidence comes from courage and having that fear of saying yes, go away and just give it a go. Mm-hmm. And I think it's my sister, when I was doing the Ironman, gave me a bracelet that said fearless. And she wrote me this really pretty note. And she said, I'm giving this to you. I know you're not fearless because you are afraid, but you're doing it anyway. And I think that's such a powerful thing. You can be afraid. I'm afraid. Right. And it's, and it's just, it's about just, okay, I'm afraid, but what's the worst that's going to happen? Someone will say no, or a door might close, but another one might open Mm -hmm. and you have to get to those no's before you get to yes. And so, you know, it's not about being fearless. It's not about being, you know, not scared of anything. It's about seeing that fear and then still facing it and going about your day. So what made you take that leap from the corporate world to say, you know, I'm just going to do this on my own? Yeah, I think it was a lot of little things. So once I left Bloomberg, I went to work for a couple of different tech startups um, one of which we IPO'd during the pandemic, which was an amazing experience. Mm. Um, and then the most recent one, which was an HR tech company uh, in the hospitality space. And I think I just sort of got tired of helping other people build their dreams and not feeling like I was building my own. And I think the funny part is now I'm still helping people build their dreams, yeah. but I'm being very selective about my clients. I'm working with nonprofits whose missions I really admire. I'm working with women who are trying to start companies and just don't even know where to start or are uncertain of the path of even raising capital. Um, You know, I'm working with women who have amazing products and have been turned down by VC firms and they're trying to figure out how do I get in or, or how do I raise money maybe in an unconventional way um, until I can get the VC to actually pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm putting my passions into places where I feel like I'm actually filling my cup instead of working mm-hmm. 60 to 70 hours a day filling someone else's cup. Yeah. Very good. Well, it is time now for us to share my screen with contact information. But I did want to throw in one thing you talked about mentors all the time and um Mm -hmm. and role models who was that person so i i have a couple of really good mentors um one of them the one who made me do the iron man her name is is jamie duomo um and you know we've been friends since 2004 so everybody can do can do that math and so she's mentored me and been my friend through various phases of life um and you know she's had such an impact on my life. And I know that the things that she's taught me have then impacted the people that I've mentored. And that's sort of my goal around this mentorship concept. It's like when you throw a pebble and the ripples go out. And so you can't mentor everyone, but through mentoring people, you're able to to do that. Um, Another mentor and sponsor I had at Bloomberg, Roman Makowitz was my boss at the time. And, And so that was really 
a lot of sponsorship in that when I wasn't in the room, he was the one saying my name and putting me oh, up nice. for things. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's so important to understand the difference between mentorship and sponsorship and understand the value of, of each of those um, and to be that for someone else. And so people are constantly doing it for you. And it's so important for you to then go and, and do that for other people and give that back. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to share my screen if you have not been taking notes and you're just <laughs> listening and uh, you need to go and grab a pencil and paper right quick so you can get the website, I'll read the website. All this information, though, is available on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe and also on the findyourleadershipconfidence.com. So Katrina's website is https colon forward slash forward slash Katrina Purcell.com. That's K-A-T-R-I-N-A-P-U-R-C-E-L-L.com. And you can find her on LinkedIn at Katrina-Purcell. And Instagram, she's ironkiki26. And so just remember, she did that Iron Man. So ironkiki26. <laughs> I'll let her talk to you about what you can find when you go on her website and how you might connect. Sure. So my website is, thanks to my wonderful husband, is just a very classic, nice, uh, simple design. There's some information on there about what I do and also how to get in touch with me. Um, I'm also happy to answer LinkedIn messages. And, and um, I generally use Instagram more for personal. Um, but if you'd like to see lots of pictures of my cuddly cats, one of which who's attending the podcast right now in my lab, uh, you'll definitely find that content on my Instagram. Awesome. Katrina, it's been just great chatting with you. I love to talk to uh, ex-corporate, ex-project uh, <laughs> managers, and ex-tech girlies. <laughs> um, it, I just think that what you do is wonderful, and I hope everyone does go to your website, again, katrinapurcell.com, to find out more, to, uh, book some time with Katrina, see how she might help you become um, all you can be. So thanks awesome. so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.